0: I need dress with real sexy peel. My name is Matthew Kroll. And he's not alive as much as he used to be. My name is Shahir Dowd. And this is the only podcast about movies, specifically the film. And I want to get this right. <clears throat> <laughs> Do it. Borat Subsequent Movie Film Delivery of Prodigious Bribe to American Regime for Make Benefit Once Glorious Nation of Kazakhstan. Original title.
1: Well, I know. And I mean, the the title changed a couple of times during the movie, right? It was like, yeah. I was reading Uh, that off of the I Am (laughs) DeBeau page. The I Am DeBeau page. Now, just before we do that as well, as always is the case... Uh, I did a deep dive into Kazakhstan this week because okay. uh, we have a, a a colleague of ours or a colleague of Shivali, should I say, actually lives in Kazakhstan? Really uh, and works for the um for the um uh, I think the the finance office in Kazakhstan or something oh my the, gosh, the, the national bank or something like that. Okay. And Kazakhstan is, Beautiful, by the way, like Kazakhstan is dropped did gorgeous looking, like it, like and 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 in the way that makes you go, oh yeah, this is the joke is that Americans know nothing about Kazakhstan, so we think it's this third world country. And yes, Kazakhstan has problems with corruption, but it was, it is, it is um, refining those problems. But 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 it's like if you look at Kazakhstan's main city Nur-Sultan, uh-huh. it is like the city of the future it is it's like uh you know it looks like dubai it's wow. lo- it's it's extraordinary looking
0: well thank god we live in the united states of america where there is no corruption
1: <laughs> yeah where there's no corruption where there's no poverty world poverty where we've got great health care oh. um you know amazing government support we're we're really turning the corner on this covid thing listen
0: where the lead singer of Creedence clearwater revival really wants the president to use his song um, it's just, it's just great. It's going yeah. great.
1: It, everything's, everything's going, uh, going great here. Actually, so, Shaheer,
0: I wanted to yeah. bring this up. This is sure. the last, I, th- I thought maybe we'd be like, I'd be able to talk to our future selves in this episode and like the election <laughs> would be over. But with our release schedule, that's not actually true. This is the yeah. last, the last episode before, uh, the U.S.
1: election. That is correct. This comes out on November 1st. Is that right? Yes.
0: yes. So this will be, uh, listen to this while you're waiting in insane lines at the polls, because again, America's doing
1: great. So uh, I mean I think and I, I think we opened a question for just over four years ago. I can't remember which episode it was, but it was right after the Trump election mm-hmm. uh, where I believe we did Fahrenheit 119. Uh, yep. Oh no no, no, we did yep. Michael Moore and Trumpland. That's right. We did oh, Michael yeah, Moore and Trump yeah. land, Um with guest Paul Trillo, I believe. Oh Paul. And we opened the conversation with a discussion about the cinema as defined by the President of the United States. Sure. And the question was really, like, what do films look like under certain regimes? Um, and I think it's come full circle now. Four years have, uh, have since passed, and we are on the precipice of finding out whether it is... <clears throat> sorry, just to throw up in my mouth. Another four years of Donald <laughs> Trump uh, or, uh, or 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 uh, uh, Joe Biden. I, for, I for... actually
0: was about to mark in the timeline as we go. I mark when we mess up audience and I thought Shahir was actually uh, coughing and I would have had to cut that out. Turns out it doesn't and
1: now I have one less thing to do. It's great. No, that's true. You that's sold true. it. And you commit I was, bit. I, just, just, and it's not even a bit. I really did throw up in my mouth. Mm. Um, so um, and we have made a major push in the last four or five weeks to get everyone uh, to ensure that they registered to vote, yes. to make sure that you have a plan to go vote. Mm-hmm. Matt, I have voted uh, now. It took me two and a half hours. Have you voted at this stage?
0: I have not. I'm either Ooh. going Friday morning, so two okay. days from the recording time of this, or yep. on the day.
1: You're so, going on the day.
0: So so the thing about on the day is I, hmm, I really like the ritual of it i yep. go at 6 a.m um yep. normally it's empty i doubt it will be um but the i'll tell you about my experience in a yeah second. no please um but uh at this point as well i'm also kind of like well if i just wait for the day and something goes wrong then that's the day so i i think i'm going to try to go friday morning to the early voting place and see how it does even if i have to wait an hour or two um, yeah. and then just see what's what and get it done then because then I won't have to worry about it. We're also doing, side note, everybody who's listening, shameless plug, uh, on the Extra Credits Twitch channel, that's twitch.tv slash extra credits, the same Twitch that AOC just broke about a week and a half ago, which is was phenomenal, right. by the way.
1: I really want to play this Among Us. It's point. fun.
0: Uh, <laughs> you, I, I think you'd like, next time I'm playing, I'll I'll, I'll bring you on a it's group. It's
1: a PC-only game, so I don't You can play I, on I, your I phone. PC. You
0: can play on your phone or your tablet. Oh, wow. Yeah. Um, anyway, uh, and it's all cross-play. But the point being, we're doing an all-night election stream over oh, on the wow. Twitch channel from 6 p.m. to either when there is a definitive answer or, more than likely, we're too tired and they're not going to give us one for quite some time. So we're going to be talking about analytics. We're going to be watching the States. We're going to have guests coming through, rolling in. Uh, and, uh, yeah, so Shahir, honestly, if you want to come say hi at any point, please uh, let me know. <laughs> I'll come and
1: talk about glorious movie film. Oh, good. Hello. No, but I, actually, a couple of things that are really interesting. One is, uh, yeah, so I voted. I went uh, I went to early polling uh, over the weekend. Mm-hmm. And the first day I went, uh, we got there a little late. Like, you know, voting's opened at 10 a.m. We got there at 10 a.m. You know, we were like, okay, well, let's just check it out. We still have another week. The lion was wrapped around the block Twice. So it it actually wrapped in over itself uh, with people standing on an inside lane and people standing on an outside lane. And so we thought, I thought, okay, I don't want to, you know, I had my, I had my son with me and, Mm -hmm. I, you know, we didn't want to like put them through this. I was like, okay, I'll come back another day. So I I, I got up early the next morning and I went through and the line was much shorter, but it still took me two hours to get through the line to vote. Um, and just bearing in mind, this is not the first time i voted in the United States, but it's the first time i voted in the federal election. That's what United I was going to ask, yeah. So, yeah, so it was my first uh, federal election. Uh, two weeks prior... Or a week, yeah, two weeks prior, I voted in the New Zealand elections. Mm-hmm. And in the New Zealand elections, literally, I filled out a form. Uh, you know, like all I had to do was print it out, filled out a form, uh, and then um, took a photo of it on my phone and sent it in, and it was done within less than five minutes.
0: Oh, wow, she here. It's almost like this isn't actually complicated. And the United States system, having it, the voting be different for every fucking 50th state, uh, is kind of archaic and stupid.
1: And, and kind of, you know, that, that thing about discouraging people from voting, I can mm-hmm. kind of see why it happens. Oh, Here's the interesting thing. I filled out something incorrectly on my New Zealand ballot. Sure. Um, and I just got an email from the New Zealand election gov- uh, office saying, hey, this is filled out incorrectly. Could you clarify this piece of information, please? Um, and, and that's and after I- the election. That's after the election. So, uh, you know, and by the way, my candidate won, go Labour. Yeah. Um, <laughs> yeah. But um, By a so, landslide. <laughs> by a landslide. It was a, quite an extraordinary landslide. Um, and, and you know, the, the other thing about the New Zealand, the way the New Zealand government operates is that you build up a coalition usually. So you don't actually have to vote for your leader. You can vote for your party that you agree in. And you can even vote for parties that you don't uh, necessarily uh, believe will have the capacity to form a government on their own, but will be a strong supporting player. So, oh. many years I've voted for the Green Party because I wanted them to have a strong voice in Parliament, uh, even though they're not going to be the majority, and they're not going to be um, the leader of the government. You know, they basically, they form a coalition with to form a government. Sure. Um, and the more votes I give to them, the more possibility that they'll have a strong voice within Parliament. So, a lot of that sort of stuff. The second thing is uh, election information here is very difficult to find. Yeah, so I, on, on uh, I don't know if you've read your ballot now, but there are nine uh, Supre- local uh, Supreme Court justices that you have to vote for. I've started my research, but it is difficult to find information on a lot on, of these people. Uh, on any of these people, it's like I'm voting for the Supreme Court of Queens, and I'm like, I have no idea who any of these people are, and it's impossible to find information about them. It's so almost again,
0: like it's almost <laughs> like there's a coalition or some sort of thing that's like, look, if none of us put information up, then we don't have to do any extra work. <laughs> like, because then it, I don't know. Like, because it, it's at, at the very least, due to the political climate, and I have no problem saying this, I will not keep it close to the vest. I'm going to be voting Democrat down the ticket no matter what. I would right. like to know, preferably, which Democrat I'm voting for. But right. even if I can't, because I think the <laughs> system is broken, that is still my safest bet. Another thing I learned um, today, actually, Shahir, is that something along the lines of like, it's a disturbing number, and I'm talking about the percentage of people that vote on average for the in this election. Yeah. Like something like 68% of them don't fill in the stuff for their local stuff, because for their local electorates, because I don't know why they, the psychology behind it, people sort of believe that it's like uh, because they feel like they're informed on the president, but they don't feel like they're informed on anyone else, so they just leave it blank.
1: And I mean, and does that invalidate the entire ballot? It does
0: not. You you can okay. vote for as many people or not on. The, you can vote for one senator if you wanted to and pass it in, and then that's it. Right. At least in New York, I don't know. Again, fifty states. We actually just <laughs> did a. Um, I keep. I'm sorry, I keep pimping out my other <laughs> gig, but we just did an amazing collaboration with a YouTube channel uh, called Legal Eagle. Um, yeah. The, uh,
1: oh yeah, I know legally.
0: I, I watched that. Uh, I yeah, watch yeah, yeah. That show. So the, yeah. we did one yesterday. We dropped one. He did one on the electoral college, and I interrupt yeah. him in animated form. And then yeah. uh, on my show, uh, we did a history of the physical act of voting: how we cast our votes physically, back from like it, you know colonial times when we literally have to go to a carnival and like yell it out in a place mm-hmm. where alcohol is just flowing. And then <laughs> there's the the, the party printed ballots, etc. So a lot of good videos on YouTube. Please go check those out. But in yeah. that. Uh, the, the the moral of the story is the fifty states being different and not having. We, oh, oh, here's a fun fact you here now that you are officially able to do this stuff. Did you know that American citizens do not have
1: the constitutionally protected right to vote? This will be uh, why the thirteenth uh, not the thirteenth amendment, but the uh, the fact that felons convicted felons can't vote. Right? Correct. That's yeah. part of it, and that's sort of why it's there. That, yeah. Let me rephrase. The fact that have it's not right, in the your, Constitution,
0: your, yeah, lets them do that to felons, yeah. Um, and it's insane. We did a extra politics episode on that. We did a lot of political stuff this week, as every outlet on the planet has done. So please uh, check that. I guess. That
1: out. I guess. Look, this this election um look mitch mcconnell on the floor of the senate this week uh in the in the um uh in the passing of amy comey barrett as the uh as the new um never try uh, a case justice. justice cool yeah it, cool yeah, supreme court justice to uh to replace our rbg by the way i got it called out i i, I often say rbj but it's rbg i, I know, I know you I,
0: you did on the show and i noticed it but i didn't want to call you out because i thought it was an accent thing
1: well, a listener did point that out, so I'm I'm uh, I'm I accept that very very heartily. But but on the floor of the Senate, Mitch McConnell said elections have consequences. That's why we're doing this. I'm trying to do my best turtle voice. But elections have consequences. Okay. No, You're Jimmy like Stewart. kind of like a Bond, like a, yeah, like no, a no, that real James Stewart. That was what was about, was Jimmy Stewart. Um, But and it seems like this election for many people seems to have the most consequences. Because would you say, thinking back to how naive we were when we recorded Michael Moore and Trumpland with Paul Trillo some four years ago, and it was in your apartment in Brooklyn, I in believe. In Brooklyn. How naive we were about the Trump presidency and what it actually meant. No, here's the thing.
0: I don't think, at least I can speak for myself, and I think for yeah. you and a lot of people as well, uh, we were, I don't think we were naive. In fact, I think the overwhelming sense of dread Mixed with a, but maybe he'll be different because now, like the office, will affect him. Like we had, like still that weird hope yeah. in the system. Which, I call it
1: the Chappelle effect. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Which you remember Chappelle on SNL.
0: Yeah. So, yeah. like, I, I, uh, I would not say I was naive, nor I did that I think that you or, or many people were naive. We were hopeful that we thought the better angels of a what who we assumed was a human being. Um, mm-hmm. Uh, would shine through and 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 rise
1: up to the status of the office which of course um did not did no but but i think i think what i was naive about was how much the presidency can affect your life Mm. and how much the presidency can affect the the in fact the affairs of the entire globe sure um, which is what we're sort of witnessing right now and 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 so i think i was naive about okay how much damage can this person really do i always thought you know, he was a gonna. He was the worst person to become the president of the United States, and clearly the worst person in that choice um, uh, between Hillary Clinton and him. But, but. But then, obviously, it became the worst person to be in the office during a global pandemic. Yeah. Uh, and during um, probably the most polarized point in American history, if not exacerbating that polarization.
0: During any time, because because the sad truth of the matter is, this division of powers between the three branches of government is kind of bullshit when the executive branch controls all of the, all of the for lack of a better term, people that can punish you. <laughs> if the executive branch controls all of those things... Then if someone else is like, huh, someone uh, in the executive branch is doing something bad, and they'd be like, oh, yeah, report that to the Department of Justice. Oh, cool. Here you go, Department of Justice. Wait a minute. Who does the Department of Justice report to? Oh, the executive branch. That's fucked up. So anyway, anyway.
1: Elections have consequences. Uh, Also, shout out (laughs) to the T-virus that is ravaging
0: Mitch McConnell right now. Uh, Is that what it is? Is that uh, why why he's got the sort of dead hands? Yeah. uh, Yeah, yeah. I, I cannot believe... The level of just just raised corpse that he is. Uh, and maybe he's gotten better. I don't know. Um, uh, but, man, that picture, I was like, yeah. oh, my
1: God like this man is decomposing this is he is he is more corpse than human right now the pact with dormammu
0: is coming due and i was like holy shit like he just has you to could, stay alive just long enough to get this woman in,
1: in you know this is office. like this is all he wants it's like this is everything he's wanted in life is at this moment and he's like crawling out of the coffin to do it
0: in all seriousness uh, dark pact aside i do have a theory about humanity And that is, people will stay alive longer if they feel they have, if they feel in their bones, in whatever weird morals twisted or no, that they have something left to do.
1: (laughs) If if, on the positive
0: side, hold on. on If Joe Biden wins this election, (laughs) there's no way that Mitch McConnell can ever accomplish anything ever again, like in the in the (laughs) in the the way that he works. And I have a feeling he will Hmm. die of natural causes very soon after and just, and by natural causes, I mean, bursting into dust when sunlight finally hits him. Um, right, right, yeah,
1: you're, I, I guess you're imagining the season finale or the show finale of six feet under and all these people kind of just sure. like, yeah. When, when like C is playing in the background and all these people just like suddenly fall to the ground from heart attacks. Um, I mean, I guess
0: swoop. if you're done with your job, if you're done with everything you have to do on this plane of existence, Then why keep delivering souls to
1: your dark lord? Just take a break. Go to go to oblivion, right? (laughs) Well, I I do like. There's a story I saw on the news this week of uh, a a woman who was 104 years old who voted in the election for Joe Biden Mm -hmm. and said, uh, and I think she said something along the lines of. Uh, Donald Trump is one of the most grotesque human beings she's ever seen in her life, and this election is more important than any she's ever voted for, including the Second World War uh, and Vietnam and around Vietnam. Yeah. So that th- look, the stakes are high. Regardless, uh, look, I think at the end of this, at the end of this episode, uh, we will talk somewhat about the 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 reflection, the reflect reflection and refraction of Trump. Into cinema and what it has meant over the last four years, and also I think you know. Look, we'll be honest about who we're voting for, why we're voting for who we're going to vote for. Uh, It's probably no secret at this point. I'm definitely voting for Joe Biden, Kamala Harris.
0: But you Uh, have voted, and 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 we can talk about why. Oh yeah, because that I think is the more interesting, the more interesting part of everybody voting Democrat this time. Uh, There's a lot of different whys.
1: Yeah. Um, But uh, one of the things we did ask listeners to do was to write us in at OnlyMoviePodcast at gmail.com or hit us up on Twitter at OnlyMoviePod. And if you had, based on our recommendation, checked your voter registration status or registered to vote or made a plan to vote or anything to do do with voting, we would happily uh, reward your effort by reviewing anything that you had wanted us to review. And we had one taker on this, which we were very proud of. It's a person that we actually love talking to uh, um, on, Line as well, uh, listener that we haven't met in real life, but um but but have uh, had many, uh, at least on my side, have had many many pleasant engagements with oh, online. Same, 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 same. Uh, and that is Jonathan Blade, who who sent us in an episode of his podcast. My handle is Jonathan Blade. Now, <laughs> I I I want to say it was an absolute delight to be able to do this, to talk about his podcast. Um, not because, but because I actually listen to it. Yeah. I do listen to it. Like he, he has sent us episodes before where he's mentioned us, but I also listened to episodes. He had an episode about Man of Steel. He had an episode about, I don't believe, uh, called, titled I Don't Believe in Racism. Yep. And I, I, I think he is a wonderful, wonderful orator and a fantastic, um, he, he does something that we do not do. And, is so, and I'm very... He does it in a way that makes me go, I don't think we could do what he does, which is that he writes all his thoughts down in coherent arguments and then and then records them eloquently. Well like, he does it like, it
0: seems as though he does it in video essay format, which in, in yeah, my experience it feels like a video is essay, yeah.
1: difficult. It's incredibly difficult to do, and it's incredible to do as eloquently and as succinctly and thoughtfully as he does. Yeah. So the specific episode he asked us to review was uh, was it called Vision? A, a, a Vision mad of a Madman, mad I
0: believe. Visions uh, of a Madman. Uh, where he interviews which was Corey an interview Marshall
1: with yeah, an interview with comedian, uh, comedian and artist Corey Marshall, and this conversation really is a discussion, a distillation, really, of the hustle of being an artist or mm-hmm. the struggle of being an artist. Yeah, or uh, both. Corey Marshall is a comedian who I was not aware of, uh, but had uh, great pleasure in listening to uh, to Jonathan talk to. Uh, I actually I don't know if Jonathan is actually his name, but his handle his handle, his handle, handle is, Jonathan is Jonathan Blade. Is certainly Jonathan Blade. Um and and i've just you know look this is one of those things where i am subscribed to the podcast now i'm ha- i'm happy to listen to any episode that comes out um and and i think it's it's that what you get in this podcast is faith in the interviewer's ability to negotiate a subject mm. with complete clarity and and without that sense of like trying to keep up with the subject like i think sometimes sometimes i feel like we're trying to keep up with the subject and we're trying to think about what the next question is and what we're trying to we're trying to you know like we're sort of running around in circles well this is me personally running around in circles and around our interview subject you know trying to figure it out whereas he feels like he's actually having a legitimate great conversation with this person it is a mano a mano in terms of like a back and forth between the, the subject um and 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 i just i i I can't recommend this podcast highly enough. You know, like my handle is Jonathan Blade. Please go get it, rate, subscribe, duel, you know, smash that love button, whatever it is. Smash the smash love that button. love button. I <laughs> smash mean, I think we just got button. a new
0: tagline for you, Jonathan. Yeah. <laughs> um, no, I will say the fluidity is very nice. So much fact. I, I listened to this episode on the ride back. Um, I went up to uh, Maine to, you know, see some trees and not be in my apartment. And, uh, the, uh, I listened to this episode and I enjoyed it very much and then I just sort of let it go and like pick episodes for, for whatever reason my my podcast app will take whatever series I'm listening to and just give me not like the last one like you think it would but all yeah. over the place so this one I think was I listened to the one you mentioned the the I Don't Believe in Racism one which is also very good I'm very excited to listen to his Vampire Hunter D uh, Bloodlines or Bloodlust I forget which the name of the title is because that's a I love that anime so much but I want to rewatch it before I listen to his thing and I haven't had the time yet uh <laughs> (laughs) one criticism i will give you jonathan is your voice is too smooth i do not i I am i'm a little intimidated and i don't appreciate any competition in the the voice field so so dial back the talent and uh i'll appreciate it and i'll keep listening thank you very much
1: yeah. No. Um, and also, I, I think I saw a video this week. He's also uh, is an ordained minister or something like that. Like he actually married a couple. Well, and I was well, like, well. He, yeah. I was like, I would happily have him marry me if I was getting married again. Uh, I love my wife, and I'm not getting divorced. Just FYI. You could renew uh, your vows. You could. Re- I could renew my vows. Jonathan
0: could come bad. to the street at, at, at where you are, and then you and and your wife could be <laughs> up on. On the balcony.
1: up up on a high pedestal and he could shout and then (laughs) that smooth voice could uh, transport us. We figured it all out.
0: Anyway, Jonathan, (laughs) thank you so much for sending us your podcast. We're very happy to review it. Um, We love listening to it and uh, thank you for registering to vote.
1: (laughs) Uh, Yeah. I appreciate that. We also have an email from the Test of Time podcast. What? Which we have mentioned a couple of times on this show. What? Uh, hosted by Alan Noah and James Brief. Uh, you can find their episodes at testoftimepod.com. And uh, Alan wrote us in about our review of Bill and Tids. What was Bill and Tids called? What was the third one called? Face Bill the Music. Tid's... Face the Music. I was like, excellent adventure, bogus journey. What was the Bill third and Ted, one? Face the Music. Based the music. Uh, Alan writes in and says, I agree this flick was made in good faith and also led me to buy, not rent the movie, just as I did. And while there was a lot of enjoyable stuff in the film that I liked and appreciated, it bothered me that the movie felt like a greatest hit of the first two. The daughters collecting historical figures, Bill and Ted jumping through time, then a trip to the afterlife. The second movie was awesome because it didn't just retread its predecessor. So I was hoping for something more original this time around. I also hated how they discounted the idea of a future society based on Wild Stallion's music by saying that Rufus misinterpreted the prophecy. In *Bogus Journey*, we see him in the future. Uh, we see in the future there's a school based on Bill and Ted's music and teachings. Also, in the third movie, violates violates time travel rules of the first move, two movies where there can be only one future that cannot be changed. What is fated to happen will happen. And that is that. That's different than other franchises, but it's consistent across the first two Bill and Ted movies. But in Face the Music, they travel to a future that we assume won't come to pass. This is sort of getting into that in-game territory of futures anyway. Um... We're Bill and Tita fat losers who break into Dave Grohl's house and get divorced and go to jail. Spoiler alert for Bill and Face the Music. Uh, this sort of throwaway lines about multiple timelines, but doesn't get it explained. Granted, I watched the third movie right after seeing the first two because we reviewed it on our po- podcast, Shameless Plug. So there are things that are fresh in my mind, but they really did frustrate me. I think, okay, that's the email. You know, uh,
0: for a podcast yeah. with the word time in it, uh, I disagree with your time travel theories quite a bit. Uh, I
1: think what he's, he, he, it's not time travel theory that he's I know, he's disputing. it's the rules, but I actually it's don't the think the rules within Bill and Ted's universe. Which we
0: won't get into here. I would love, we could do a debate uh, uh, sometime. If we'd like to have, no matter what happens with this presidential election, if we're feeling great or not, let's test the time podcast and us, or at least me, if you don't agree with me, here, I could go against all three of you. Uh, yeah. And, and uh, we'll have a time travel debate about did Bill and Ted face the music break its own rules of time travel?
1: that's interesting i think I think that'd be worth exploring, I gotta admit though, like Bill Tids, I enjoyed it at the at the moment, but it wasn't a movie that sat that's gonna sit with me. I've watched uh, it again,
0: you have yeah i it oh, it's and- it made me feel so freaking good uh that i uh i did and and uh if those you know i look different folks can have different issues with films, of course, we've touched on that quite a bit, but uh if those problems do exist for me at least the 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 insane joy that the film gave me uh did not, did, was not diminished by
1: those things. So I think I would, I would be really happy to rewatch Bogus Journey again. I have them both on so, Blu ray. Yeah. Well, I think I'm going to borrow them. Yeah. Um, <laughs> I'll come over with some gloves on. Mm-hmm. Um, but moving on, again, everyone, you can email us in at onlymoviepodcast at gmail.com or hit us up on Twitter at onlymoviepod. This week, Matt, we are going to be revisiting Sasha Baron Cohen and the the rebirth. The, the reawakening, the reemergence of one Borat, how do you say his last name? Oh, I have no idea. Sigedev? Yeah. Sigedev? Sure. Sigedev? Yeah, whatever. Uh, uh,
0: but I'll just say, very nice. Um, very nice. Can you tell us what Borat 2 is about? Oh, I'd love to. IMDb says that Borat is, and I quote, follow-up film to the 2006 comedy centering on the real life adventures of a fictional Kazakhstan television journalist named Borat. 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 So, where were you in 2006? Where was I in 2006? I had just moved to New York. Oh wow. Okay. Uh just moved to New York.
1: Yeah. Uh
0: so in a real tiny apartment in Brooklyn on 3rd 4th Avenue uh in the like Below Park Slope area. I don't know what the name of the area was called because we were like South Slope but that's not a thing. Um right. or at least it wasn't then. Um living with Stephen Bugia. Okay. Um uh, and and eating when we could afford it at a KFC that had um, a lot of bulletproof glass all over the okay. place. Oh, uh, I, would, I would go for
1: some KFC. No, oh, KFC is go so good. KFC. It's
0: so terrible, <laughs> but it's so good. Um, yeah. I, Where were you? W- w- did you see Borat in a theater? No. Oh, you didn't. So I saw it uh, at home at some point. Um, yeah. And um, I gotta say, I remember like thinking it was fine. Like I mm-hmm. liked it, but it didn't. Yeah. It didn't do what it did for the country to me. Uh, huh.
1: And it's funny I mean, because I around I, in a Mankini
0: No, but like so. No matter how good a film is, I will always, as time goes on, if it's the kind of film like a Borat or an Austin Powers or mm. or or something along the lines where. There's a very easily mimicable character with lines that you can say and instantly get a lot of people to laugh. This is going to sound real asshole of me, but I guess that's my brand. I start to get really annoyed because people that I don't know, like, you start borrowing comedy chops and then the reactions start get like, I don't know. It feels like such a cheap way to do comedy when everybody is doing a like a very not like I just I uh, or my wife like mm. that when, when it was just a barrage of that shit in like every yeah. bar in America. I was like, fucking a and it's hard for me to not have that bleed into the, the film experience. I will say when I watched the first one, I laughed, but I, I also other than being annoyed at references, I never thought about it again. Um huh. okay. what about what about you where were you where were you in 26 or 20, 206 2006 definitely
1: back in New Zealand and of course Borat was the perfect water cooler joke like everybody could walk up to a water cooler in an office and make a joke about my wife or I hate very nice that. or it's it just yeah it was every it's it was inescapable um and you know in much the same way as like you mentioned you know the yeah baby yeah or yeah. shagadelic you could do you could just say it for for days um I recall thinking, but I did not rewatch the film until this week, um, that it was a work of genius. That that Borat and subsequently Bruno were works of genius. Bruno was and, phenomenal. I liked Bruno yeah. better than I liked Borat. Yeah, but essentially the the stick is the same. It's a it's just two slightly different characters. You know, mm-hmm. it's essentially, um, you know, it's a it's it's uh, his brand of comedy is. Um, uh, you know, allow basically give provide the context for which people believe his ridiculously absurd character is real, and then allow them to either um, uh, normalize it in a in a sort of way that is uh, that can be upsetting, or say something that reveals a truth about them because of their character. So, sure, And in you know, normalize it in a way where you know, uh, for example. Uh, Borat singing the the national anthem uh, and saying "death to all Iraqis" or something like that, you know, where people cheered him on, normalised that kind of terrible behaviour, or you know, at the same time also reveal something about themselves, uh, like the um, like at that same rodeo, um, uh, one of the the retired cowboys or something talking about. Uh, you know, bombing everyone to Iraq. You know, you know, or whatever. It it it's it, his comedy is you know like the classic rendition of the clown, which allows people to hang themselves by their own noose. You know, like they they he he basically gives them the context. Now, to be fair, it has come up in you know in in conversation this week that that essentially his rendition of a Kazakh journalist is um is perpetuating a stereotype. But I think the 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 joke here is that uh, that stereotype is perpetuated by people who don't know what cause you know what it means to be kazakhstani or what kazakhstan actually signifies and the right. joke is is that not many of us know much about kazakhstan because we're not well traveled in that region part of the world and we're you know you know you can just look at the statistic about uh, american passports which i think are issued to like 40% of the american population we're not uh, the americans are uh, you know myself included are not a well traveled bunch yeah i, um, I mean d- straight up the joke
0: is on americans not yeah, joke is not on America.
1: kazakhstanis like that's yeah. just not like
0: and I hope that, and I, I know that you know. Depending on when you see this
1: or who you ever like, that even they know that. Yeah. Like, uh, well, they they have been upset, but the, this week the tourism board of Kazakhstan adopted his uh, catchphrase of "very nice," and you know. So I think great. that you know, like they recognize the cultural value of it. Uh, you know, I, much in the same way that I think um, uh, hunt for the hunt for the wilder people or. Um, <laughs> Um the you know, uh, what we do in the shadows kind of exemplifies how funny New Zealanders can be by our ridiculousness. Sure. Um uh but this time around, obviously Sasha Baron Cohen or Borat kind of acknowledges right at the very beginning of this film that he is a, he himself is a cultural phenom. So when he walks the streets dressed as Borat, uh people recognize him. Yeah. And people people know it's him. And I love it. So that. he can't do the same shtick that he used I to do. I loved it so much. They address it right up top. It feels yeah. it feels really nice, and so the the gag this time around is that he brings Tuta, his his enslaved daughter, uh, played by uh, Maria Bakalova to uh, give offer as a gift to Mike Paints. Um, well, and it's uh, funny
0: because, and I guess we'll just sort of get into spoilers because we're already long on the tooth in this episode. I feel like it's, you know, if if you're worried about the plot of Borat, please go watch it before this. Um, but uh, it's funny because the title, as you alluded to before, Shahir, changes a lot. Before, he's supposed to give a monkey, like a famous Kazakhstan monkey to Mike <laughs> Pence because it was their greatest entertainer. Turns yeah. out that Tuda um, hides in the monkey crate and goes all over the world, and then and may have eaten that monkey, ate the monkey, and then uh, shows up in the crate instead. So Borat doesn't bring his daughter, um, no. but he does have a manual for a daughter, uh, yeah. which is a terrifying, hilarious thing.
1: <laughs> but the but the uh, so the if if the, if the if the if the sort of overriding theory or the overriding joke of the first film was. Americans' misconceptions of people from um, that region of the world, um, given the fact that it's central, it's it's uh, Kazakhstan is a Central Asian uh, landmass, but but people kind of associate Americans tended to associate it with Afghanistan. Oh or, gee, I wonder uh, why. Or, is it because it yeah. sounds the same? Yeah, because it sounds the same exactly. <sighs> um, and, and Iraq. Um, so so I think that the joke this time around is. Really, the emphasis on the way America has changed because of the perception of Donald Trump as a world leader. You know, um, Borat comes to America saying, "Hey, McDonald Trump has been, you know, uh, voted vice, uh, voted president to make America great again," and and you know, I think what Borat himself is aiming to do, much like um, Sasha Baron's Co- uh, Cohen's other show, "Who Is America," is highlight this sort of. Red state, blue state divide that has happened, and the kind of idiocracy that has come along with it, and you know he again he does that by employing a, a series of different characters, many of which are there to um to allow the allow these real people to hang themselves by their own noose, and there is. I don't know about you, but it's 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 very pleasurable to watch that happen, but it's also deeply uncomfortable because the question is is that how would I react in this situation? And and one of the things I think Sasha Baron Cohen is really good at doing is setting up the context for the situation so that you're not quite sure if it's real or not. If I, if you're a participant in the, in the event, you know, sure, like you're not sure, quite sure, sure. sure what's happening. So you're kind of like trying to be polite about it. Well, look, um, we'd
0: all like to think that we can't be tricked, but straight up, no. we are all tricked every fucking day. Um, I mean, in minor ways, um, but I mean, even in, like, I, I would argue, Shahir, having hosted a movie podcast with you for over five years and knowing that you've been in the television industry and film industry for easily 10 or more... Um, I would say that we are relatively savvy to when things uh, feel awry, uh, when it comes to something that could be a media
1: source, for instance. Have you worked on any hidden camera shows? I have. I've worked on hidden camera components to two shows, but not like full hidden camera shows. I've
0: produced hidden camera shows, and I've worked on them, and I've edited them. And it is funny how... it's it's you, you think because and I'm using you as in me or people yeah, in yeah, television or, or communications media like we are harder to fool, but not because we are smarter. It's just because we are exposed to the trickery more. Um, yeah. So my gut is always like, how would anyone fall for this? But yeah. the goal of those jobs and the goal of Sasha Baron Cohen's films are to make it as airtight as possible for people to not call out that something is amiss. Um So, again, I guess that's a roundabout way of saying I feel like due to the training that I and maybe in an extension we or or communications media people have, I find it very hard. I I hope that I would not fall for it. However, I've been in situations that I don't believe is a um, uh, a, a prank where I have to still be polite to someone who I absolutely do not understand or don't agree with. Um, And I don't know. It's very interesting – in in the way that here's what I love about this film, even more so than than the last one. And but and straight up, I adored this movie. Right. Um, and it wasn't just because of like, oh, look at him getting it one up on people that I don't agree with. Um right. and sometimes people that I agree with. Um it was because- The big
1: Rudy Giuliani fan? Oh yeah, he's uh,
0: <laughs> America's mayor? I don't fucking know yeah. what the- I don't know, whatever. Jesus Christ, that fucking vampire. That, that's literally how Bat Boy from the New York Post, or whatever, no, the National Enquirer, Bat Boy, yeah, was yeah, that. Yeah, Um I mean, that's not me making that up. That's a meme as old as time. But the, um, the way that this movie, and I would argue seamlessly, in a way that <laughs> can only happen when a film has been shot over years- yeah. Mixes an ever-changing storyline, like the the narrative storyline of what he's going for here, with all of the pranks and tricks and 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 ways he gets people to do things. It felt cohesive. It yeah. felt planned, and it wasn't. He just went with it. He 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 riffed that story. And again, you given a long enough period of time and enough talent, like he has, you can do that. But I wasn't expecting to actually like care. About like like in the first Borat film, I didn't care about Borat or any character. It was oh, really? look you at these. Hope
1: he hooked up with Pamela Anderson by the end of it.
0: Uh, no, no. <laughs> um, but here, like uh, with uh, Maria Bakalova's Baka uh, tutor and 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 Sasha Baron Cohen's Borat, Borat, like I felt like I don't know. I felt like I cared about them and what was happening yeah. and the slow change that was going on along the ride. And I know that a lot of his stuff when he tries to do a real hard mix of narrative and live action or or, yeah. or when when it one swings too far one way than the other for instance the dictator yeah. um i don't like it but here yeah. and it might be due, due to maria's uh, phenomenal phenomenal performance she steals every fucking scene she's in um that like i cared and me caring about the the narrative that they are painting I wouldn't even call it a loose narrative I was kind of about to but I actually don't think it is and no, mixed it's very, it's very well structured yeah and mixed yeah. together with all of the things he does yeah. uh felt just like a a genius uh, plate spinning, uh, engaging uh, yeah. cinematic experience.
1: Yeah, it's a high. It, it is a real high wire act to kind of do the things that he's doing, as well as weave through narrative elements uh, as carefully he does. And I think there's no there's no better example of this than the uh, baby cupcake. I think the baby cupcake is, like, an example of, like, that's genius-level screenwriting. And in terms of, like, okay, the gag is uh, he provides Tutu with a cupcake that has a sort of a a fake baby on it. Um, But there's so many layers to what happens here. So the first thing is he gets the woman at the the store to write Jews Will Not Replace Us on a cake. uh, on a cake and she doesn't seem to bat and uh, bat a lid about it you know just like eh. and that seems like that's where the gag was going that's where that the was gag the is point but it's not. of the gag right
0: yeah but then and I don't know the story behind this Writers in only move podcast at gmail.com but it feels like they improved enough where it was Then it was gonna be like a, oh let's make a joke how Kazakhstan daughters don't get sweets but he's gonna get yeah. her one because like whatever and there's yeah. ones for baby showers so there you go yeah you up yeah, yeah
1: and and then she swallows the baby like it's a plastic and baby. Sees, and and now she has this, like, I have a baby inside of me. Can you get it out of me? And they go visit um, what they believe to be an abortion clinic, but it's actually one of those those free faith clinics where they try to talk you out of an abortion. Right. And. And you know the sort of amazing you know sit up and payoff there is that he gets the pa- the pasta who who's at the pre- crisis pregnancy center to basically gloss over the fact that this girl um, may have been impregnated by her dad instead to try and like keep the baby, which is which the pointedness of it all is the you know the sort of the the madness with which people are anti-abortion even to the point of rape and incest. Yeah. Um. You know, it's it's like it's such a it's such a lot of setup for such a solid payoff, um, that and and the fact that it's done with real people is kind of amazing. I I, I did think this about Borat as well. In fact, I would say, in, for me, in the original Borat um, that was directed by Larry Charles, who did go on to direct uh, Bruno and um, also The Dictator, which I wasn't a big fan of, but I think there's something about Larry Charles's brand of comedy which was slightly more subversive they were they would take a little bit more a few more risks in terms of the setups that they had done oh interesting um, i
0: think this one took a lot especially with the behind the
1: scenes stuff that i've seen of this thing it's insane it, it it's it's pretty remarkable the things that they got away with here and and i think the challenge of like doing the things that they did um is pretty amazing given the, the sort of the time that they're in right now but i i i did generally find larry charles's or at least the set-ups in the original borat in terms of the way they weave the narrative through were kind of really surprising whereas like you can kind of see like aside from the the baby cupcake one i think you can kind of see the mechanics of every gag working in this film um but you know not to say that it's it's not you know difficult to do what they did and what they managed to pull off it's it's pretty remarkable. Uh, James Williner, the director of this, also worked on Nathan for You, uh, which uh, Jason Williner. Um, so you can kind of see that sort of again that 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 similar. Um, Similar approach to comedy and and similar approach to the way we deal with real people coming to play here. Yes, you are one hundred percent correct. The 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 high wire act of doing some of the things they did in this particular film are pretty amazing. But I think what I what what I responded to in the first film a little bit more is how those high wire moments were weaved in with narrative really really cleverly, in the first film, in the first film. Oh. I, I found that the 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 the, the weaving of. Uh, of of the Pamela Anderson story and Borat's overall story into the live action hijinks were pretty amazing.
0: I think the narrative weaving was as good, but I had no emotional through line to it, so I didn't right. give a shit. Like that, right. that's sort of where I think this one adds to it. Um, even even the way, how do I put it? Uh, the, you can tell that this movie had a had one ending that did not work out, and or the pandemic happened, so there had to be more. Yeah. Right. Like,
1: I I guess maybe what it is for me is that I knew that you knew that the movie would eventually be a reconciliation between uh, Borat's uh, prejudices and his biases against his daughter acceptance of Tuta as as his daughter. But
0: here's the thing. Yeah, I get that, but because I've seen a movie before,
1: like I, I, it's not like this. It never
0: felt hamfisted. It's just where a plot would naturally go in a film that is structured like an American emotional uh, father-daughter story. Like I'm not going right. to hold
1: that against it because it does the the. the I'm not tro- holding it against it. No, 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 I'm I not just, saying I you just are. think I, I just responded more to the first one being kind of subversive.
0: Sure, I I think this movie is just as subversive. Just gave me a shit to care about the narrative elements. Uh, that, right. that the interesting part about this, I think. And I kind of wish I didn't hear about the Giuliani thing in the news first. Yeah, let's, and, let's let's talk about Giuliani. Yeah, uh, because the because that's how the like I said, you you feel like you know where this film's going to end. At least if you didn't know about the Giuliani thing, you would think it's when he goes to the DNC or the RNC convention. Which side note, it was so funny because that the, the RNC convention happens at the Gaylord uh, uh, Hotel. Mm-hmm in uh in or in or right outside of washington dc it is this al- is
1: the the cpac uh
0: convention, yes right this yeah. is also where my favorite convention for nerddom used to happen and hopefully <laughs> will happen after covid magfest you went right. to magfest i with did me oh
1: so we've been there we've, yeah.
0: we've done a panel for the podcast at magfest i think right. it might have yeah, been no, uh, we were right
1: there when, when borat came out i was wondering why they were sitting up all those giant inflatable dolls yeah
0: yeah no uh <laughs> we did a get good getting good at uh video game movies panel there And uh, I've been multiple times, and I've been to almost every convention room in that place. So, like when he was walking around in that space, I was like, I know this place like the back of my hand. I also know how to get to and from this. I don't know. It was great. So, anyway, that was a nice dopamine hit for me. But that feels like when he carries in in a Donald Trump costume, his daughter to give to Mike Pence. That was supposed to be a a, a crescendo, and I don't think it worked out great. Like Mm -hmm. I I think the no, it doesn't. It doesn't. It falls flat, and I and I, it feels like they didn't think it would fall flat, and 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 and, and, and then th- multiple things still happen. And the great thing about this, uh, I guess I'll call it not genre, not format, not um, I guess exercise that Sasha Baron yeah. Cohen does with these films is there is room to adjust and continue because there's no short supply of ridiculousness in the world, particularly in the United States. And it, and it moves yeah. on. Yeah. And it moves on to, oh, well if he can't do it to Mike Pence, what can he do? Oh, he can give it to
1: uh, Rudolph Giuliani. <laughs> but but that the narrative of but what I, okay, in terms of the high wire act that this film does produce, I think the the trajectory of Tutu's character from Caged Girl to you know, uh, beauty uh, to what's the 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 debutante ball, ball. <laughs> to finally like going on her own and becoming a journalist. I think like to to sort of track that trajectory across the entire film and then land at Giuliani's where she's kind of fully developed at that point is pretty is again is pretty amazing. Yeah. I, I you know for all I'm not giving it shade. I just found that the first one to me like. Was subversive and kind of in kind of brilliant and surprising in brilliant ways. But again, to track that entire narrative across everything that happens and to weave in the story of the pandemic as it's happening um, is amazing. So they eventually Borat holds up with a few QAnon conspiracy theorists um, in their house, and the, again, amazing moments here where he presents them with his guidebook to 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 how to raise women, and they. Without a hint of irony, say this is a conspiracy theory, or this is you know this is false lies. How can you believe this book while at the same time talking about like Hillary Clinton being a, a vampire pedophile or something along those yeah. lines? Um, you know, again, fun he fact about up the context so well.
0: Fun fact about that scene: it was the first time Borat or, or Sasha Baron Cohen he he did this in this an interview. It's the first time he's had to consistently or well, once and then consistently for two weeks wake up as Borat because he stayed with them during the pandemic for
1: two weeks. Oh my goodness. How so? This is a question for you that I couldn't quite figure out in my head. How is it the two people who seem to be familiar with QAnon at least or internet rabbit holes don't know who Borat is? <laughs> Honestly,
0: I mean, look, I this is how I'll this is how I'll explain it. How I've how I've uh, justified it in my brain. I am a nerdy person. Yeah. Okay. However, there are black holes in my nerddom. That most nerds would shun me for. <laughs> Case in point, I've never finished a full Doctor Who episode. I couldn't yeah. tell you what more than maybe one of the Doctors looked like, and and I think, especially when you are so deep into a different culture, and especially because QAnon is much younger than Borat is as a concept. Those two men are not younger than no Borat no no. I'm talking about the... I'm talking about QAnon. I'm talking about of course like, of course. I, I'm I, talking I get about, what you're saying. If you're if you're diving deep into conspiracy theory, I don't think there's a lot of crossover with Sasha Baron Cohen.
1: The only thing that I would make there, the only point is is that I think Sa- Borat like Austin Powers is such a phenomenon that you don't need to have seen the movie to know what Borat is. I think most people who haven't seen the movie still recognize that the character of Borat exists, and this and this fictional character that says, "My wife and very nice and all that sort of thing exists. right I, yeah, and I, I, But
0: I think that there, I think you're underestimating the amount of people that, that generalized, even hyper-popular media doesn't reach.
1: <laughs> um, it, it's, it, I mean, it, it's either that or, or they were willing to, uh, they paid for two people who, you know, just were willing to pretend that they didn't know who Borat was. I mean, it's I, one of those two I don't think
0: that's the case. At least for, again, who knows if, if Sasha Baron Cohen is lying, but again, I don't see why.
1: Like, I like, but the other thing is, is it's not, you know, his, the verisimilitude ver- of this film is not that such, is not such that if he's lying about something, it doesn't Really matter too much because the conceit is that it's a fictional character. The only part that isn't real are people's reactions to him, and for the most part, the reactions are all that matters are the reactions, right? Like all that matters is that they reveal some semblance of what we believe to be true. Sure, it doesn't, you know, like it doesn't matter if it's not exactly true.
0: And here's something else I liked about the film before we get into the finale with Rudy Giuliani. Yeah, um, it doesn't only show. Ignorant, stupid people. It shows actually intelligent people that are also still being tricked, whether that's emotional intelligence or otherwise. Uh, mm. Namely, the two spaces of the woman who he leaves uh, Tudor with as a babysitter that eventually sort of comes back later in the plot, right? Uh, who like tries to convince Tudor not to get plastic surgery because that's not what she wants and to be a little bit stronger of a woman and you know like like, like you could tell like this was just a generally moral person she was talking yeah. to and that yeah. felt lovely and also um when he goes into the fucking uh synagogue. the synagogue <laughs> dressed as a vaudevillian uh caricature racist of a of a Jewish person and these two old women more one than the other i think one was probably real fucking mad but as she should be Mm -hmm. uh talked him talked with him sat with him discussed things with him talked through about the i mean they make it into a joke about like he she he doesn't believe at that point because there's holocaust deniers that the holocaust ever existed and because he mocks the kazakhstan thing he he gets sad about it and then when these a woman who literally survived the fucking holocaust (laughs) tells him that it did happen and and treats him with kindness Uh, He he not only gets happy that that he wasn't lied to, but also like there's a moment of change sort of in the character as well. Like anyway, the point being. It was lovely to see the gag be used to show that people, even when they know that they're not or they think they're not being watched, won't just uh, uh, ignore their better angels. Uh,
1: Right. I I think, though, he does pointedly he he he's not politically um, neutral. Like, he is going... Like, he specifically is going after people who will provide a reaction that aligns with his beliefs, which is that, you know, he will pretend to be racist in front of racist people in order to bring out their racism he will be excessively anti-semitic in front of Jewish people in order for them to present themselves and like try to argue their case for humanity but this you know,
0: was not like yes he's doing that but the, both of these moments weren't arguments they were discussions with rational emotionally intelligent yeah. people and and, yeah, and, and he, what my point is I like seeing the dichotomy I like seeing yeah. that not everyone is a fucking idiot monster like it it feels good. Like, well, so, I think
1: I, my my point is I think is he sit he's not going to sit up those two women to fail, I think. You know, no, like, of I course think, not.
0: But what I'm no. saying is, of uh, yeah, because he's a good filmmaker and he he can yeah. he can maneuver around this stuff very well. What I'm saying yeah. is the choice and the structure. Of not showing, not just being like, look how smart Sasha Baron Cohen is around these fucking idiots. Like, yeah. there's, there's a difference in what we are seeing based on the gag. And, and, yeah. and especially now, in the garbage fire that is 2020, <laughs> it was lovely to see the gag pay off for kindness and not just to show people's hatred. And that yeah, was yeah. a very nice palate cleanser.
1: What I like about that scene as well is it's kind of a meta commentary on what he's been doing the entire film mm-hmm. as well. Like he's he he this person who's been dressing up with this character dresses up as yet another caricature of how that person perceives perceives Jewish people. Yeah, you know, with the the long nose and the nails and and the, and the puppet the first, and there was yeah, like a the, uh, marionette. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Jesus Christ. Um, So so you know it it he. It, what's good, what's great about him is unlike say YouTube prankers, uh, he has a political identity mm-hmm. and he knows exactly what he's going for yeah. and sits and he knows how to he knows he knows how to tell a story. Mm-hmm. So he's telling a story from beginning to end throughout the entire thing. So I think I, I do think, you know, while this particular film, I think I saw the seams of a little bit more in terms of where the tutor story was really going, I did. I, I certainly enjoyed it. I certainly you know I think moments like um, the the cake, the baby cake thing <laughs> are moments of genius. Um, but let's talk specifically about how the movie operates in the sort of microcosm of the Giuliani interview. Sure because you, you you and I both as professionals know that what it's it's difficult from even what we saw in that Giuliani interview it's difficult to actually ascertain whether Giuliani was being genuinely relitigious, or whether it was potentially a misinterpretation of events, because the because the events are set up around to put to put Giuliani in that situation. He's not just walking up off the street mm-hmm. and getting him to say something dumb, you know. Like uh, ba- Tucher is is priming him oh, for yeah. for this moment, and then you know, like even instigates the sort of touching of the shirt and you know, like tucking of the but pants. But here's
0: the, here's the thing about that.
1: I, and, and and I'm sorry if I'm going to offend
0: anybody, but you catch a snake with bait, like like the the point being is yeah, because Giuliani knows he is a public facing figure, and therefore his lecherous activity he is not going to display for all to see. Um, granted, you are a hundred percent correct here. The way that it is shot, and the way that it's done, and the ADR that is added, yada yada yada. Is all very uh, you, you could you could adjust the severity of the events like because uh, yeah. we don't know, but I one hundred percent believe. Now, granted, and this this is a this is a um, I guess another question of morals, um, but I don't believe Rudy Giuliani is a moral human being, and therefore I don't believe that. Uh, do, do I think that Rudy Giuliani thought he was going to sleep with that young girl right then and there? No, I don't. Uh, I don't know what he was doing with the adjustment of his hands down his pants. I've never tucked in my shirt uh, lying down on my back. Uh, however, I also have never been like 100. So, like, I don't know the mechanics of of, of gut physics and bad backs. Who the hell knows? But. Right. He definitely was priming her for some sort of rendezvous. Now, granted, I I I, I need to watch the film again because I was never sure if it ever was clear how old she was. I don't think right. they ever said, and I don't think Giuliani ever asked, um, uh, because at the end of the day, Rudy's not married. I think he's divorced four times. Um So, great great listener, that one. Um, And and, uh, she, assuming that she's 18 in most states, is a legal age of consent, and therefore, there's nothing sort of, and I'm going to do hard air quotes, I hope you can hear it in my voice here, wrong with uh, wanting to engage in a a sexual act of two consenting adults uh, by the state's statute or whatever. Um, But that doesn't change the fact that... Dis even even beyond the minutiae of like how lecherous that specific interaction was and where he was going with that and the questions it poses. It does prove that at the end of the day, morally speaking, Rudy Giuliani is a manipulative scumbag. Wait,
1: how do how does it prove that he is a manipulative scumbag?
0: Or or maybe manipulative is the wrong word. He is a, a lecherous scumbag. There we go. Because because <laughs> he is in act he he basically is setting up trying to get this girl's number to contact him again uh, which
1: happens again it's a, it's a it's a piece of ADR so we don't like we never see him say that it happens while his back is turned to camera no no his
0: you could actually i did actually notice that his face his face is not fully behind you can see it, it looked that looked normal what didn't look uh. normal is things like borat yelling out the age or yeah. or a couple other
1: lines etc of of the lines right before the lean back um i think my thing is here is that for example the scene with the priest the pastor who who ignores the fact that he yes. she is potentially being molested by her father you know to talk about abortion i think that is I buy that on um, uh, on its face as being what happened. Like I don't believe that there is enough. You know, like maybe the co- some of the context could be manipulated in that situ- in that circumstance to get that. But I I believe what I saw, which is that that you know he asked the question: Is this man your father? No, you shouldn't have an yep, abortion. Yep, 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 I believe yep, yep. that those two things happen in the case of what happens with Giuliani unfortunately as much as i'm not a fan of giuliani you know like I, I don't i don't prescribe to the the moral uh fiber of rudy giuliani i think the construction of way that of the way that scene is put together makes me question the authenticity of what happened and and the merits of what happened now i agree on its face him being in that room with her on his own with his hands down his pants is Kind of a foolish thing to do. Drinking, kind of asking foolish... for her number. Yeah, yeah. Um, again, I don't think to. I, I rewatched the scene, and the and the asking for the number thing happens when his back is turned to camera, and, and it and looks a, like a piece of ADR. And so again, and again. So, for example, he could have said it that is, during he the still interview. Said it. No, but he could have said that during the interview when prompted for her to say, like we, you and I both know. Realistically, she could have said to him, "I have a gift to send you. Could you tell me how to get it to you?" And he could have said. Could you give me your and then benefit of the doubt? Yeah, I'm. What I'm saying is the construction of that particular scene makes me say, as much as I don't like Rudy Giuliani or the way he behaves or what he's been doing in the last four years, I have to give him the benefit of the doubt in the construction of that scene. Because let's talk about something
0: else then. On that, so on that note, so I don't think that you and I are going to agree on on this, which is fine because this is. I want to kind of pivot away from. Did it happen in a way, or didn't it happen in a way? Because I right. actually don't think that's important. Mm-hmm. Because I would think that you and I both agree that Rudy Giuliani is a lecherous, damaging human being. Is that a safe assumption? Or you could—that's a safe mm-hmm. assumption.
1: Uh, I—I I, I know I can see where this is going, and I'm gonna—I will push back on this. Well, no, no, to... please do. <laughs>
0: but my my point being, it, my point being is—that's uh, a great sentence. Good job, Matt. Um, that despite the truthiness or not truthiness of this, because it is not something that will ever actually like have Rudy Giuliani go to jail for something he didn't commit or do whatever. I have no problem. And this is a moral justification and I'm fine. If people don't agree with this, I have no problem with him in a situation of his own making, having it being manipulated to be slightly worse in the eyes of public opinion, because I truly believe based on, uh articles and actions and video I've watched of this guy that that he's a scumbag.
1: Like right. I, but here, here, and, and that. Okay, so,
0: so the, as I'll just sort of say is, um, so for me, the the, the truthiness uh, of of what this is, considering the whole film is a stretch of the truth. This moment of that never broke that deal with me. Because I know, I as a viewer, as a as a as a person who has seen Rudy Giuliani and what he's done and the damage he has caused this country, yeah, I'm here to root for him looking like a fool, and this movie
1: does that. So I think what I'm saying is, and I and I, I know you you know this about what i'm trying to say here is that is that i'm not here to I, I i don't want i'm not trying to make a moral judgment on defending rudy giuliani or not like True. i i, know I that. i'm with you i i don't he is not uh, my favorite human being on the world, on the planet, and and I will take him to task on things he said on Fox News, um, you know, and and this whole Hunter Biden thing with the with the laptop, Jesus you know, like, Christ, yeah, you know, his entire manipulation of that, of the way that that is being put out, uh, is is reprehensible. My point is, is that the construction of this actual scene and this scene on its surface. Is enough to make me question the authenticity of uh, enough to say that I, we need to give Rudy Giuliani the benefit of the doubt in this situation, because if if for example we unravel the entire tape, like the entire tape of what happened in that situation mm-hmm. uh, is unravelled and it re- and it reveals to us that Rudy Giuliani was really being just sort of weird in the moment but not doing anything wrong it unravels the narrative that you've constructed of Rudy Giuliani being a lecherous fool in this a litherous person but it it does right no, it like doesn't. like for example if he just walked in and if if she was leading him in there and saying hey i'll get this mic off of you by you know like you need to tuck it out and all that sort of stuff which is we can we can see in the construction sure, of how this has happened yep. that that could possibly be the case Let's say i'm the not whole saying it fair. happened that no, way no 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 Let's i'm not say. saying it happened that way i'm saying The construction of the scene is entirely to the point where I I could see that this could be unraveled. Let's say the whole thing's fake. Let's say the whole thing is taken
0: out of such context and in this moment, Rudy Giuliani is the most gentlemanly uh, uh, moral-fibered person with this young girl who seems like she's enamored with his celebrity. Let's say he did... Everything right, even though there are small things that I find uh, a little despicable. Going into a back room, drinking, etc. Yeah, yeah. Whatever. I, I think all that sure, stuff sure, is, sure, on the, is on the he's line. he's done nothing yeah. wrong. He is being amicable and not wanting to be rude. Let's say. Let's say he's just wanting to seem like a good uh, person and wants to actually help this woman's career or something. Sure. Okay. Because of the other things I have seen, and because it has been proven time and time again, that he and fucks like him are not ever morally embarrassed with the actual reprehensible shit that they do, I have no problem, I have no problem, if something, and again, if this is, uh, Rudy is never going to get in trouble for anything, the right thing, because yeah. legally he did nothing wrong, even if there was, even if everything was the worst case scenario for him, he, yeah. he did nothing legally wrong. Yeah. So there's going to be no punitive damages beyond public shaming, okay? And because he's done a trillion other things that I think warrant public shaming, he has been shamed for, and he doesn't give a shit about, I am fine with this truth being spun to throw more public shame at Rudy Giuliani. I don't care if it's <laughs> true or
1: not true. I don't. Do you, do you know why I care? About whether it's true or not true. Um, so, because I think in what you just said there is that you could be persuaded in looking at the construction of this that this is not what we what it appears to be. I'm right? sure like it's not. Is, I'm sure it's not entirely. Yeah, of course not. Yeah, it's yeah. it's and an it could edited and it could be documentary footage. It could be he's the most gentlemanly person, or he's the he's far more literate yep. than what is depicted sure. on the screen. The thing that matters to me is that there has been an assault on truth and facts over the last four years. And that assault on truth and facts has meant that cases where there is an absolute truth that has been presented in front of people, for example, evidence of the Holocaust, for example, mm-hmm. um, people are willing to deny that evidence based on their feelings outside of the context of the information that they're being provided. Mm. And so for me, I think we should hold this up to the, to the standard that we would want our truths to be held up to. And I think, and I think the construction of the, I'm not here to defend Rudy Giuliani. I get you that. You that. don't I, have to say I, I, yeah. I, I totally understand it and I will not misconstrue that at all. I don't think anyone would. But what I'm saying is the construction of this particular scene is so edited that that the we have to if we have to allow the possibility that that this is not true and that's what I'm saying is that the possibility that that this could have been one of a number of potential scenarios, then we have to give him the benefit of the doubt because in for example in the other scenario where the man uh, the past uh, the, the priest you know say you know ignores the fact that the that the uh, the daughter has you know like potentially been molested by her father, but you still must acknowledge, you know you still must go through the pregnancy and you can't get an abortion. There is a possibility that that could have been edited out of order, but he did say those two things, right? Like he does and we see it on camera. So I'm just saying that we should uh, to me, the the sort of bombshell of Giuliani's uh, actions here need to be taken with a fair degree of salt. And I and I think the construction of this scene in particular is so it feels entirely manipulated that we should, and I don't want to give Rudy Giuliani the benefit of the doubt. I would, I would more than be, I would be more than happy to see Rudy Giuliani come tumbling down as a public figure, like more than happy. But, but I don't think this is that.
0: No, no, I don't think it is either. And again, I'll, if, if that's what we're talking about, I give Rudy Giuliani the benefit of the doubt in this Borat scene. I also don't give a shit. The, the, the problem is, and again, there's lines to this, at least in my specific morality. Yeah. I never would want something or a truth to be spun where an actual punishment would come for a, a, a crime you did not commit, okay? That's a line for me, and you, we can debate where that line is or what a crime is or whatever, but that's not really what I'm talking about here. Because of the situation and because of what I understand from the situation, what has been presented to me, the things I have read, et cetera, I believe... Benefit of the doubt to Rudy Giuliani, he did nothing wrong, illegally speaking. He did nothing illegal. I think he is an immoral human being I, based on other things. He I think does, that too. <laughs> he does not. I know. He does not seem like he gives a shit that he is an immoral human being in general based on interviews that I have seen him. And I'm okay with truth being stretched to knock him down a fucking peg. And, and, and that's, that's it. And I get the argument. About, like, this is what the other side does. This is, you know, the stretch of truth, the breaking of truth, etc., and how that is damaging. Straight up, it's already broken. We're not putting the toothpaste back in the fucking tube. Like, and, and again, I'm not saying that the side I believe in should just constantly lie about the other side because the bad side is lying. So use that all the time because that is damaging. What I am saying is if we want to use this to point and laugh at a fucking madman who I think is kind of a dick, I'm
1: okay with that. I think, I think to the extent that this ridicules the man, um, for being foolish I'm totally fine with that. That is the role of a clown. That is the role of what Sasha Baron Cohen's character uh, should be there to do. It is to is to expose and ridicule those in power. Yeah. Right. That that's what a clown does. I think to that extent, that is enough. You know, like yes, I'm there. To the extent that this proves that Rudy Giuliani was litigious, I, I don't think this proves that. I think this sure. is agreed. This I and I think he's this, proved this that scene, enough elsewhere. I think, yeah, like, I think if we looked at one of his Fox News interviews, that's enough on its face mm-hmm. to, to discredit the man. But apparently, truth is being, you know, truth has been assaulted so much in the last four years that that. You know, like, you know, I think it was Rudy Giuliani that said truth is not truth. And it is also, and also,
0: here's the sort of the side effect of how these people use breaking of the truth or changing the truth to be whatever facts they fucking want. That's going to inevitably make more people believe it when things go against them, those fucking <laughs> dummies. So, like, yeah.
1: it still goes back to them. Uh, I so think, I think your we, point being, your point being is that if if people believe this is the case, because Rudy Giuliani is the kind of guy who walks around saying the truth is not the truth, you don't give a shit, and I and I I can buy that argument. Okay, so I think
0: and okay. I think we are very close, and I, I I'm glad we had the discussion. We should move on past Borat to the 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 topic you want to talk about about the cinema under Trump. I just will close out with saying I really enjoyed this film. I will get this on Blu-ray. I will watch this a few more times. I, I I actually thoroughly enjoyed this movie far more than I thought. I actually didn't. I I I, I didn't think I would like it, to be honest. Yes. And I think it's poignant. I think it's an important film of the time. And I think Sasha Baron Cohen is really fucking good. And also, straight up, uh, for, uh, uh, Maria uh, ba- uh, Bakalova... Ba- I gotta say this right. <laughs> Bakalova, thank you. Yeah. Um, is a delight. And and yeah. a a. a perfect um if the torch is passed and there is a tutor movie ever Mm. i'm down
1: yeah i i i I agree i'm sort of i'm curious as to how much i don't think this movie is designed to move the needle as much as it is designed to kind of like point to people and make fun of them Mm -hmm. and i and i'm okay with that um i i'm very curious as to how much what affects this? I, I don't. Well, okay. No, let me preface that. <laughs> I don't think this movie is going to move the cultural needle oh, no. as much as as much as Borat did in two thousand and six. Like I, I think that we're just the the, the type of thing this is. Doesn't like we've already all forgotten about who is America, where some people, you know, where Dick Cheney said some of the most ridiculous things about wars. Yeah, you know, like we have we have forgotten that already, and I don't think this movie is going to move the needle in that way, and I don't think you know like it's going to have the cultural impact that um, that Borat did. That's not to that's not a dig at the film itself. I think the interesting thing is is that what made Borat the original so great is the time in which it came out and the sort of collective imagination with which it captured and that's what made not only like it was a genius piece of storytelling but it but it managed to capture the imagination in in, in a way few few films could ever do um and i'm I, i'm not entirely convinced that this is there but i think this is this is what's really interesting about this is the idea that borat essentially this the one of the most famous characters on the planet could be brought out of retirement at this particular moment the week before the election in order for to to for 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 mostly good political effect because it highlights the sort of assault on truth and polarization that this country has become embroiled in within the last 4 years and that does bring me to the topic i kind of really wanted to just touch on before we before people are going to the polls this year is what What do we think about the cinema under trump? now, the the topic we sort of we 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 brought up that topic um four years ago. and we agree, and I think we all agree that the the timeline for this is not concrete. It's not going to be no. The films between two thousand and sixteen and two thousand and twenty are the films between uh, are the era of Trump because much like the economy, it takes about a year for a president to actually move a needle. It takes it, and and what I think is interesting, um, I was reading uh, about uh, Jay, uh, film critic and historian Jay Hobman's book, "Make My Day: Movie Culture in the Age of Reagan." Um, was the idea that that uh, presidents can make a cultural impact that lasts generations? Yeah. And and um, the context of his previous book, um, this I'm reading from here, examines Reagan as a historical figure and a symbolic totem. So we're not again, we're not suggesting. Uh, I want to make clear here is we're talking about the symbolic idea of of the world we live in and how it is reflected in cinema. Mm-hmm. And what do you think or if you've had a chance to think about this, what do you think the main takeaways for filmmakers and films that have come out in the last 4 years or will come out continue to come out in the next 5 to 10 years. What do you think we have explored or have yet to explore about era of donald trump not necessarily donald trump the man himself yeah, yeah, yeah but the era of donald trump
0: i mean i i think that the 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 main takeaway of cinema that has been crafted since the man took office at any form be that script pre-production production post etc has been that of um for lack of a better term mistrust Hmm. Um, you can kind of look at a lot of these things. I mean, you wrote a great list. I don't want to purge your list in your notes. No, go, go, um, for, it, go for it. But a lot of these things uh, work out really well. Um, uh, particularly, one of the first films I think that came out around the time, and I might be wrong on the on the dates, is the Death of Stalin. Yeah, and yeah. which shows sort of the the uh, you know uh, buffoonery of terrible people. Yeah. And uh, I remember at the time, uh, it's one of those movies where, like, I I forget how to put it, but, like, I felt I didn't feel good watching it, uh, mm. even though, you know, what I was watching was intrinsically humorous. But the, the, the idea kind of permeated very well, starting with that for me, because... Th- that's what the government was now, like or or yeah. had the at least the potential to be, and then we learned that is what was happening. um yeah, but f- films take on different meanings in different eras yes, as well. Yeah. yeah um and then uh I mean, fuck, I mean, you go down the line of these things as they sort of go, and uh, I, I love that you put Frozen 2 on this list because yeah. this, the tale of Frozen 2 is basically about the rewriting of history. Yeah. Um, and, and how, I mean, you can even see the, and, and, you know, again, hindsight, 20-20, uh, 100%. But, like, the move Trump has made to adjust education curriculums to take out any reference of American racism. Holy fuck! like. Yeah. You know, that sort of thing.
1: And then you have... There are direct films like The Post... Which is directly speaking to Donald Trump. know yeah, yeah. it's directly speaking to the events that are happening at play. Then you also have films. Uh,
0: I know it was more recent, but The Platform, which d- deals with uh, the disparity of social classism and a bunch of and how and how random and how uh, handouts uh, in various places can uh, make or break a human being or a group of them or a community, a la redlining, right? <laughs> uh, and then you have the other side of the coin. You have things like Joker, which yeah. also show. Uh, the, the idealized version of not only a character in a film, but the people that identify with aspects of a character of a film uh, uh, blaming a system, sometimes rightly, for uh, letting their demons come forth. Uh, and Donald Trump's system makes it very easy to do so, considering he points more fingers than he has on his small hands. So th- there, there, th- there's an interesting sort of parallel to that sort of side of things. Um, and then uh, I, I love you wrote you wrote Avengers Endgame and Infinity War. Why did you write that on the list? I have a reason, but I'm curious why you have a question
1: mark next to it. So. I I so I've been I've been thinking about this question really uh, intensely for the last couple of days about like the cinema of Trump and and, and I thought sort of specifically about like the, the presidencies of the past and what, what sort of um, psychic imprint those presidencies have had on filmmakers or on our collective consciousness. And so I thought about Nixon a lot and the sort of Nixon to me was a real presidency about the unraveling of the curtain. So Mm -hmm. films like The Conversation, Blow Up, uh, you know, more directly, All the President's Men, um, you know, this sort of idea that there is a there's a larger conspiracy behind the things that we know and understand. Mm -hmm. Um, The films of Reagan, to me, spoke to um, basically... Uh, unabashed capitalism and the joy of unabashed capitalism. If you think about a film like Back to the Future, the, the success of the success of the family at the end of Back to the Future is that they're they're they they have money now. They're they're capitalistically successful. Um, you know Wall Street. You know these. You know the the idea of capitalism being sort of entrenched in Reagan's America. The savior, uh, if you will. Yeah. 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 When I think about Donald Trump's America, I think about a couple of things. One is, I think, what is what has what has trumped truth to to use terrible terms here, is showmanship, and in many cases, terrible showmanship. Yeah. So in a lot of ways, I think what's interesting about Trump is he has made is 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 the cinema of Trump is actually reality television, which is why Borat kind of makes <laughs> more sense in the in the context of what Trump represents. I think Trump represents reality television more than anything. And the, the sort of fallacy of reality television, the, the falsehoods of reality television, the construction of reality television, um, the, the sort of popularization of an image that is, un, uh, that is underwritten by, by essentially by handouts, you know? Um, but I think the psychic imprint of Donald Trump's America to me, was never better felt than in Avengers Endgame. That it's that to, Avengers Endgame With the loss. to me is the epitome of Donald Trump's America, and, and it's it's weird for me to say that because I'm I'm not the biggest Marvel fan, but I think I think what what Avengers Endgame represents, and and I'm speaking specifically of Endgame, is is the notion that all can be lost. In the face of what is obviously right. Well, that would be Infinity War. No, no, no. Because uh, oh, was it? No, sorry. Yes, you're correct. I apologize. I've gotten them around the it's wrong way. It's all good. I know this is not it, your bag. I appreciate yeah, the yeah. analogy. In, Infinity War. So I. I <laughs> Infinity War is the what I meant. Right. <laughs> so totally that, that fine. is how much. Totally fine. But Infinity War is the The moment I was in the theater, and watching Infinity War, and the moment when the snap happened. The, the the collective deflation of the entire theater was a psychic reverberation of the feeling when Trump won. and and it happened in the face of knowing what is right and what should happen. And what I think is interesting about that is not, It's not that uh, I'm casting a moral judgment here on you know (laughs) the the Infinity War or Donald Trump on Star Lord. I understand. Yeah, yeah. What I'm what I'm sort of talking about here is the the notion that no matter how much we believe something to be true and righteous, the the world is in. We we have come to realize that it is possible that it does not matter, and what matters is the loudest person in the room. And that's what Donald Trump's America represents to me. And that's why I think Infinity War is Donald Trump's America. Yeah, yeah. There's a great um, uh, edited thing
0: going around. I think the Biden campaign might have retweeted it, but it's the speech from Endgame that Cap gives, basically, but like (laughs) recut with some of the Avengers and some of like stuff, like just real world stuff. And it still works. Like it's it's this weird hopeful sort of moment. But no, I 100% agree. Um, It's it's uh, it. it, it, A lot of what came through this was uh, questioning what was true uh, and hopelessness. Yeah. Um. and, And systems failing. Uh, yeah. And all of those things can be tied to Infinity War. So, no, I agree. I, I'll be interested. I mean, obviously, we'll be interested in seven days to see uh, if there's any resolution to this. <laughs> I, I,
1: I, yeah. Are we stuck in an Infinity War loop or did we make it through to the end game? Yeah. Uh, I, I don't know. <laughs>
0: and we won't know, I, I honestly feel like, for quite some time.
1: Uh, can but- can we, can we, can we say a brief word? I know this, it feels like the end times right now, but like a brief word about who we voted for and why. Yeah, 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 yeah. And then we'll yeah. wrap it up.
0: Yeah. Uh, yeah. Do you want
1: to go? Do you want me to go? Or do you want to go? Um, I want to go. Um, you go. Joe Biden is not my candidate. Sure. He really isn't. He's not, he's not the person that I believe to be the strongest candidate, um, on the, on the, uh, on the D- Democratic Party ticket. The, the reality of the situation is that the two-party system and the electoral college forced us into joe biden i'm gonna i'm gonna go into the, uh, go into this yeah it also subsequently gave us donald trump yep and the reality of the situation is joe biden is in no way in my mind a sacrifice in terms of what i gain from voting for not voting for donald trump I think Joe Biden does represent everything that I believe to be good in the world, which is that no matter how much I believe that his policies don't don't steer the ship of America in the direction I want to see it being steered, it does steer it does course correct for the 4 years that we've endured. And the Donald Trump era has been tragically both um politically culturally psychologically damaging for this entire country i feel i feel like we have been in an abusive relationship for the last four years whether you're for him or against him your psyche has been damaged by him and i and i i fundamentally believe that 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 man brings no good anywhere he goes um uh then if we get if we drill down into sort of a policy level I, you know, look. I start with I, I start and finish the conversation with birtherism, um, because birtherism is the embodiment of a racist ideology brought to play by insecurity, fear, and sheer pittiness yep. like it is and it is reality television and it is a shit storm that should have ended uh before it began but we were led into it because of our acceptance of reality television and our need for 24-hour news cycles and there's no way that donald trump should have ever gotten as much airplay for birtherism as he did but he did and it led him to becoming a political candidate um then if you talk about you know things that you were talking about like uh, in terms of the the mandate for no um Cultural uh, teachings that suggest that America is anything but uh, unracist, or whatever you want to call it. Um, the uh, you know questioning of a judge's um, um, credibility because of his ethnicity. Um, children in cages, which was a policy that was mandated by the Trump administration in order to deter immigrants to this country. Um, the Muslim ban. The 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 reduction of immigration. The, uh, the economic rollback of green policy. Um, the, the list goes on and on. The man, what, what, what is problematic about all of those things is I fundamentally believe he, the man, Donald Trump, doesn't give a shit about any of those things. True. What he cares about is showmanship and, and maintaining a sense of uh, maintaining being the loudest person in the room. My wish is that we never, ever, ever have to hear Donald Trump speak again that's my my sincerest wish so my vote for joe biden while is not the most ringing endorsement i do fundamentally believe that he is a decent human being he is a person who believe who would never allow the kinds of things that have happened under donald trump's watch to happen in his america and and i and i cannot overstate this enough if we lose listeners for this i don't give a shit
0: would you say that your vote for joe biden is a vote for Ah, oh,
1: would you shut up, man? Yeah. Would you shut up, man? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but also, look, you know, look, that video of him um, hugging the child sure. uh, whose parents had died, you know, is a, a, um, a symbolic representation of decency. Here's here's. Yeah.
0: And I'll, I'll lead in with that. Yeah.
1: Uh, like you, Joe Biden was not my
0: candidate. I was Elizabeth Warren. I really liked yeah. what she yeah. what she had to say. I liked her policy. I like Bernie too. Um yeah. I think Bernie um I can't speak to the Bernie's. I I I it's too complex. I I, I think Elizabeth Warren was the strongest candidate on the field. Yeah. Um yeah. And and the mini feud that Warren and Bernie had and or was played up to be a feud, I think, hurt them both more irrevocably than I think they actually realized in the moment. I think that was a misplay from both of their camps. Um. Then and Joe Biden during this entire time was probably like fifth or sixth on my list. <laughs> yeah. um, but I will say this. In his time as the Democratic nominee, I have come to uh, really like Joe Biden as a human being. I again don't agree with all of his policies but he's also proven that he can move like his needle can move. He can admit when he was wrong. He did it in the last elect in the last debate. He mentioned how the policies, his drug policies he feels like was a mistake and he wouldn't do that again today because yeah, because the, the war on drugs was a fucking failure. So so the the point being Joe Biden is a good human being. We've seen it time and time again. And my bar for who I want running this country is a good human being, and I truly believe that Joe Biden is that, and he's a good human being that has been proven that he will actually listen and possibly change his mind. Hmm. The, the, and it's so funny. I, I can't stand this fracking shit. Like, mm-hmm. fracking is bad. We all know fracking is bad. We also know that, that companies that frack control a lot of the money that goes into elections, But you know what Joe Biden fucking said at a goddamn debate stage that fracking, he doesn't want to outlaw fracking because, again, that would be stupid right now. But he wants to go clean energy by, like, uh, 2035. Like, he made a commitment to wanting that, and that's never been said in any presidential sort of stage in that regard. Like, Joe Biden's needle moves. Hmm. And – I honestly feel like he's a good human being. It's so funny. You see, you see him at these at his either town halls or his rallies or whatever he's doing and he is the nearly the last person there. Donald yeah. Trump just yesterday, last night before this recording, <laughs> flew into a fucking airstrip, did a thing, flew out and didn't have his team schedule enough buses to get people back to their vehicles to go home. There was freezing temperatures. Nine people were hospitalized because It's just an ultimate epitome that he does not give a shit. Joe Biden, I think much too, I think in any other political campaign, his caring and wanting to interact with everyday people would be considered a detriment to the to the to the uh, efficiency and the messaging of the campaign. And he would be seen as like a doting old man that doesn't really know what's important and where to spend his time. But people want that now. They want someone who is actually going to listen to another human being and understand what suffering could be. That's another huge thing. Joe Biden's life, a lot of it is tragic. And hmm. listen, there's a lot of tragedy swirling around Donald Trump's life. But you need some self-resign, uh, you know, uh, recognition and and, uh, and the ability to feel shame in order to feel suffering. So. Uh, While I think Donald Trump has probably been scared and disappointed and angry, I don't think Donald Trump has ever known suffering. And if you haven't ever ever been able to know what that sort of feels like, I don't want you in charge of other people. And
1: therefore, Joe Biden... Uh, is my <laughs> candidate that I will be voting for. Yeah, I mean, it's it's not even, a, it's a it's a ridiculous choice because, again, I, I preface it with saying Joe Biden's not my candidate, but in the choice between Donald Trump or Joe Biden, Joe Biden is my candidate. Oh, he is 100%. But
0: I'm even going beyond that now. I yeah. want to say I did not like Joe Biden at first. Yeah. I think Joe Biden has proved himself to me at this point based on lots of things that have happened over the last month or two. And I am now... As opposed to just being like, "Oh, well, not Trump, I will begrudgingly vote for Joe Biden. I am now straight up yeah. and sorry if this pisses anybody off, proud to vote for Joe Biden, which is something which Joe is Biden something well. three or four months ago. Mm-hmm. I would not have ever thought I would say,
1: yeah. Um, it's been an interesting year. It's been uh, <laughs> it's been. <laughs> I recall the last line of uh, the Royal Tannenbaums, uh, or the last line from Ben Stiller's character in the Long Tannenbaums, which is, "It's been a really rough year, Dad." Um, it has. It's been a really rough year, um, and and I hope. Look, we're listening. You know, you might be listening to this after November third. You might be listening to this before November third. We hope you participated. Yeah. If you were able to participate in the American election, I feel one of the things that avengers infinity war uh borat uh the last four years has suggested is that the the vote for the presidency the president itself was existential in nature this time around you know it really was existential in terms of what we believe this country to be and what we believe it's not and uh if you are listening to this on november 1st and you haven't voted yet please do please make a plan for voting please be safe um You know, thank you for listening to us. If we've lost you because of who we voted for and who we, you know, the things we talk about, uh, sorry to say that. You know, sorry to see you go, but that's unfortunately who we are. Um, Go see Borat. Go see Borat. My wife. It's my ah! wife. I gotta go home to my wife. <laughs> Jesus Christ!
0: All right, everybody. We'll talk to you next week, and we'll either be fairly happy, and also, side note, still ready to fight for the things that we believe in. That we know Joe <laughs> Biden's policies don't go far enough, but at least someone might listen. Um, oh my god! So maybe we'll I'm... be happy for that
1: conversation to continue, or we'll just be drunk. I'm just I'm th- I'm I'm dreading now the thought of us in a week's time. If it's it's not quite what we think to be fair, it's going to be terrible no matter what,
0: because there's no Mm. like I don't I can't think of a percentage where it doesn't drag out. If Joe Mm. Biden steamrolls Donald Trump, then he'll claim that it was uh, a a rigged election. Right. Mm. And then it depends on who will listen. That's the whole thing. And then even if it does get proven, it will take forever to do so. If it's close, then he'll steamroll it. Through the Supreme Court, I don't know what the what the um, what the percentage line is between between total destruction and close race that makes that needle at least move fast enough to admit when if Joe Biden wins the presidency. So next week when we're recording, I, I'm I'm putting my money on nothing is decided. So right. we can enjoy that. Let's do something fun next week. Let's do like <laughs> let's do like
1: uh, Love Actually or some shit. I don't fucking know. Um, write us in with your, uh, with your pick of movies we should do post-election. You know, give us a choice. Give us a choice whether it's the, the good place or the bad place. Uh, I just wanted to be people. irreverent. <laughs> only movie. I just want it to be good. I by the way, I watched The Face in the Crowd this week, the Ilya Kazan film mm. that's kind of been referenced as like a a precursor to the Trump era, and the thing about it was, it's an astonishingly great movie. Mm. It's it's not just that it pre you know like sort of the Andy Griffith performance that suggests the sort of Trump persona in some way. It's an astonishingly brilliant piece of filmmaking uh there's a great uh, takedown of Eli, uh, elia kazan by orson wells that's been making the round on youtube as well so it'd be interesting to dive into uh elia kazan's politics at some point regardless give us a choice onlymoviepodcast at gmail.com hit us up on twitter at onlymoviepod matt when you are not drinking yourself into a stupor because of uh, the percentage rates of the election where can people find you you can find me voting
0: shahir uh, when you are not uh talking to your wife uh where can wife? folks find you
1: you can find me at my house, which is very nice, at s h a h i r d a u d that's uh, S-H-A-H-I-R-D-A-U-D.com. Uh, yeah. Whew, this one was exhausting. Yeah, well, it's long. Hopefully, everyone long. had fun.
0: Did everyone have fun? <laughs> Did you have fun? Tell us you had fun. Email us in, onlymoviepodcastgmail.com. Tell us how much fun or not fun you had. If you are now leaving this podcast because of this episode and you've somehow made it this far, also email us and tell us why. Uh, anywho... Thank you so much. We'll talk to y'all next week. Uh we hope you and yours are doing okay. Please stay safe and sane. Vote vote vote. Wear a mask. Yada yada yada. You know the drill. We'll talk
1: to you next week. Bye. Bye.